Hey guys, it's Steve, TPC. It's been a long time since I've done an actual podcast and I'm gonna do a little different today. I'm gonna sit on my front porch and actually the other day when I did a video with you guys, I was kind of surprised at uh, how clear and good sounding these little uh, old version uh, Apple earbuds were in terms of picking up decent sound from my voice and also blocking out all the other outdoor noises. Now we may hear some dogs bark, we may hear a, a, an aircraft come over or some loud truck or motorcycle, in which case I'll just pause and then edit this because this is actually going to go up on our uh, podcast platform as well because it is the first one that I've done in weeks. When I was out on the road, I took all of my podcast <laughs> See, there's the dog. When I was out on the road, it was uh, my full intention to podcast as frequently and regularly as I could. I took all my gear with me, had a big road case in my car, and the fact is I never unpacked it uh, except one time when I was out there, and that was one of the few days that I was stationary for four days in Philadelphia. But apart from that, it was just, it was just too wieldy of a process. So, you know, I still cranked out some articles, still cranked out some blogs. I commented on the news of the day. I kept content churning on locals and on, on our social media pages. I did a few small, you know, videos from my car, just, you know, little FaceTime kind of like things, and then did as much as I could do, giving, giving the fact that I was driving literally every day and uh, then, you know, still have work to keep up with while I'm out there on the road. So I, I did not meet my goal of churning out any actual podcast. So today is the day for me to do that. We had a good run. You know, I, I will tell you that in this last run up to the Northeast, as glad as I was to finally fulfill my promise to get up there, it, it was not quite as well attended as we had some of our events back in the winter. And this was in, you know, during the winter, it was in the height of the lockdown. So I thought that surely that suppressed our crowd somewhat uh, as, as you might expect. Didn't really anticipate that once the lockdowns were lifted and people were out doing other stuff and traveling in the summer and that sort of thing, that that might also contribute to people not being able to make it out. Of course, the other and the, the biggest and the single most overriding problem that we have is the, is the throttling that's happening on our Facebook page. Most of you who still follow TPC are still part of the 35,000 followers there on Facebook. You haven't made the migration over to MeWe, Parlor, uh, Gab, or, um, or Locals. And of course, we want you on Locals, but we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later as we go. So uh, all in all, it was a good run. We had some really good meetings. We had some meetings that were very well attended, and we had some that weren't. And then we had, uh, I had the opportunity to sometimes to just have dinner on a day off with uh, a follower here, a follower there along the way, all the way from Florida, all the way up to uh, New York, and just really just great time building relationships and networking and, and uh, learning about what you guys are seeing out there on the ground. I mean, you, you guys truly are the boots on the ground, whether we're talking about COVID or we're talking about anything else that's going on in the news today, because I, I don't believe anything that I hear on the news anymore. As you know, I, I, I'm done with that. I have my new axiom, which is I will only ever believe that which I see with my own eyes and then consult the videotape. And that's my, uh, that's how I'm handling it right now. So when I'm out there with you guys, I'm hearing and seeing and learning from you exactly what you're experiencing at work, what you're experiencing with your family, what you're experiencing with your extended families, what you're experiencing in the economy, uh, your businesses and such as that. And that's far more valuable than anything else I'm getting from the news right now. Well, we had some uh, interesting developments as well. 
after I returned home uh, to the Raleigh-Durham area, and that is uh, what I want to spend a little bit of time on to kick this particular podcast off. As you know, I had been hoping to put together a Raleigh TPC meeting, which would certainly be the largest one that we'd have had anywhere in the country. When it was first scheduled with the uh, Wake County Libertarian Party chapter in mind, we were thinking maybe 100, 120 people would, would show up for that meeting. I, I, as I've mentioned to you before, and I won't get into it in any depth right now, but we were sabotaged on that. Uh, there were some people that just absolutely determined that they didn't want anything to do with me as part of that particular function and that they would act, actually threaten to cause problems that night and be disru- literally threatened to show up and be disruptive if they held the meeting. So. The, the chairman of the Wake County Libertarian Party called me very apologetic. Uh, I know him, he's a good guy. Uh, we, we have nothing but um, a good relationship um, over the years. And he just was very apologetic and said, just look, it's just probably better if we don't do anything at this time. Your friendly neighborhood uh, TPC is a lightning rod now, it appears. That being said, I contacted another friend of mine who works with uh, the local Raleigh chapter of Liberty on the Rocks. And she was excited to bring her group in to co-host the meeting. Now, I didn't think it'd be quite as large, so we started looking for rooms, and we found at a local brewery somebody that was willing to host the event there. We put the Facebook page up, the, you know, the event page. As soon as we made the change of the event to announce the new location, literally within an hour of the update of that event, somebody called the brewery and began telling lies about me and about my involvement on January 6th. And as a result, the brewery contacted um, my uh, hosting uh, partner in that particular event, told her that they could not have me as a speaker at that particular venue. And now we're back to the drawing board again. Uh, Just uh, last Monday, I believe it was, uh, after she found a brand new welcoming venue, and I had to put a security deposit down on the room to hold the room, and I did so. And once I had notified her that the security deposit was paid, She changed the event location again on the Facebook event page and the same exact thing happened. In less than an hour, I had a screenshot of the note written from the venue condemning me and my activities on January 6th, every one of which were a complete falsehood. So whoever's calling and saying these things is just lying and sabotaging these meetings. I have no idea who it is. I have no idea from whence I've offended this this particular person or what I've done, but uh, in a cowardly manner, they're calling in anonymously and sabotaging uh, my ability to hold a TPC meeting here in my own town, which is kind of interesting. But I, I sat on that for a couple of days. And I, I, you know, Obviously, I was disappointed. I was angry. And then I did something maybe I should or shouldn't have done, but I wrote a very professional letter to the last venue. And I told that venue in very specific detailed terms exactly what my involvement was on that day. I let them know that I was there as a journalist. I was there with a camera and a tripod. I was not there with sticks and bear spray. I did no violence. I did not not attack any police officers. I did not attack anybody else. I did not throw shit. I did not break stuff. I was a completely well-behaved citizen journalist that day and that I have written tens of thousands of words uh, in, in analysis and coverage of that event. My videos are out there posted for the world to see. And in addition to that, I have been um, able to sell some of those videos through my press agent to uh, new services, uh, both here in the U.S. and in Europe. And so as a result of that, 
uh, I would hope that they would, you know, possibly reconsider or at least talk to me about this. And that I was very, I did mention I was very disappointed in them in that they, um, they took an anonymous caller's word as gospel truth and did not check with me first. Particularly because, with, as it is with this venue, it's actually owned by a couple of guys that I know and have had uh, relationships with in the music business in years past. So I did want to reach out to them in that way. And in one of the, it was interesting because in one of those um, lines that I wrote in that letter, I mentioned to them that if I had done the things that this person accusing me had accused me of doing, that I would certainly be uh, have been arrested, and that not only have I not been arrested, that I have not so much as received a phone call from the FBI. So I wrote that, I believe it was last Thursday morning is when I sent that over. No, I'm sorry, it was uh, Wednesday morning. So it was last week, it was Wednesday morning, I sent that over to the venue, never heard back from them. But then exactly 25, 24 hours later on Thursday morning, guess who finally called me? That's right. I got a call from uh, Agent Garrett Doss of the FBI. Agent Doss knew that I was going to be in Leesburg, Virginia, right outside of DC on Friday night for a TPC meetup and suggested very nicely, very friendly, uh, in a very friendly manner that we should, you know, probably sit down and have a little chat, maybe let them do a little interview with me while I was up in that area if I had a time and availability to do that. I, I did, in fact, say that that's probably not a good idea because if I met with you guys up there, I would not have the opportunity to be sitting next to my attorney for that discussion. And he said, okay, well, that's no, no problem. That's fine. We'll just have the meeting then when you get back to Raleigh, if that's okay. I said, all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be back in touch. He gave me his phone number and I promised that I would be back in touch with him when I got home. Obviously, my first call was to the attorney. Uh, on Friday, I spent about an hour and a half in consultation while I was driving with my attorney. And um, uh, to be honest with you, I'm allowing the attorney and the, the other um, uh, specialists that he's consulting with on my behalf to take the lead in this particular uh, request from the FBI. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk to them or call them back except under the direction and guidance of, uh, of the attorneys. Uh, the, the FBI already has everything. They have my blogs, they have my videos, and this is all by, by uh, Agent Doss's, um, uh and his discussion with me, what he revealed to me. Uh, they've seen everything. They've seen all my videos. They knew, I, they knew that I've been out traveling all over the country for the last several months. They obviously knew I was in Leesburg, Virginia that day. Uh, and they have, because of all of my blogs and my videos, they have, in fact, my open, unhidden personal testimony of my journalistic activities that day. They, they know that I have never been associated in any way, shape, or form, or ever had any contact with any of those antagonistic groups that they've been investigating that were involved in January 6th, uh, be that the, the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, um, uh, any of the militias, BLM or Antifa. And yes, Antifa was there, despite what you're hearing in the in the news. So in, in my opinion, and this is just me, and I probably shouldn't say too much right now, but in my opinion, it's either, you know, press charges, arrest me, uh, let's get this thing going, because the only thing that they have evidence of technically is a, you know, simple trespassing charge. They're not calling it that up there. It's some, something like entering a, you know, a restricted federal building or something like that. But I wasn't parading like the grandma that was arrested and charged and got a suspended sentence and got uh, a $500 fine and 
uh, what was I think she had to do some community service as well. She was the first conviction, I believe. And she did no violence. She did nothing at all, but she was carrying a flag around and, you know, Trump, Trump, rah, rahing. So they got her under some something called parading inside the Capitol building. Assuming that they will go forward with some sort of charge against me, uh, our intention right now is that we will quite possibly fight that, first of all, under First Amendment freedom of the press uh, grounds. But more importantly, uh, we have the evidence, because we have plenty of video, including some of my own, the, the overwhelming evidence that uh, we have of the actual law enforcement officers themselves, both opening the gates and welcoming people in, as well as opening the doors from the inside, uh, as standing aside, chatting on their cell phones, texting on their cell phones as people just filed about them, providing absolutely no resistance and no directions for not entering the building whatsoever. So there's a lot of reason, uh, I think, that we have for uh, putting up a, you know, a reasonable argument and defense against particularly myself as a citizen journalist, because we also know, and I know firsthand, because I've seen their podcasts of other independent journalists who did, in fact, follow the crowd into the building, did nothing other than just cover the event and cover what was going on, taking, taking and following the story where it went, just as I did that day. And they have been interviewed by the FBI, and they have not been arrested. So, you know, the fact that they called me in the first place is a good sign. Uh, it's a good sign. If they, if they had any doubts as to my involvement in, you know, anything untoward on that day, they would not have called. They would have just showed up at the door. Uh, they would have had a pair of handcuffs and a warrant, and I would have gone to jail and then had to go through the posting of bail and blah, 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 blah. You know the, you know the drill. Anyway, I, I think it's a good sign all in all where we're at right now. As I said, you know, just to, just to conclude this part of what I wanted to talk about, I didn't carry so much as a flag. I didn't wear a Trump hat. I didn't have a Trump sticker on any of my, you know, my gear or my, my backpack. I carried a camera, I carried a tripod, a backup battery pack, a couple of bottles of water. And um, then I, you know, posted on all of my social media before I ever even left Raleigh that day uh, and, and announced to everyone who reads my stuff that I was going to event through the event to cover the event as a neutral observer. I mean, just, just uh, as most of you know who've been following my stuff at all for years, you know that, that I've never been a, a Trump rah-rah fanboy. Never have been. I was totally against uh, his campaign and, and his candidacy in 2016. After he was elected, I then wiped the slate clean and I decided to keep a uh, open mind on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and sometimes I would write an article as an analysis of, of something he had done or something he had said. And sometimes I would say hashtag good Trump and sometimes I would say hashtag bad Trump. There was no... Um, loyalty there for me whatsoever. It was just on an issue by issue, policy by policy, action by action, word by word basis that I wrote anything about him to the extent that I wrote anything positive about him at all. And like hundreds of thousands of others on that particular day, I was just as shocked as they were at what actually did transpire. Uh, the, the events that developed, as I said, I followed the story where the story went and I got it on video. I've had major press outlets who have used my video and um, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Let's just cover a couple of the more interesting news things that have happened in the last week. I, I've, you know, I've already written about several of them, so I don't want to be redundant. 
uh, on this particular video since it's been so long since I've been with you. If you haven't uh, read my articles in the last couple of weeks, uh, just they're, they're everywhere. You can find them. I, I was really kind of amused by the uh, Cleveland Indians announcing that they are changing the mascot of their, you know, their team name from the Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland Guardians. You know, what was it, last year, the, the Washington Redskins, they just dropped their mascot name altogether. They're just the, you know, the Washington football team or whatever the hell they are. And now, as somebody like myself, uh, who has a rather healthy dose of Native American blood, and that includes uh, Seminole, Choctaw, uh, I'm told Cherokee, I have my doubts about that but I also know that there's a splash of, of Apache uh, thrown in there as well. So as somebody with a lot of Native American blood running through me, I'm beginning to become a little bit more than suspicious that these woke leftists are actually canceling us, <laughs> my heritage, out of Americans' consciousness. I, I, rem I remember polling just a few years ago that indicated, depending upon which poll you read, that anywhere from only 10 to 20 percent of all Native Americans nationwide even had a problem with the name Redskins. But Redskin surely was the most offensive of all of them as, as, as compared to the Cleveland Indians or the Atlanta Braves or the, the, the Florida Seminoles or, or, or whatever. But uh, that possibly being the most offensive of the possibilities, there was less, you know, less than 20% or even as low as 10% of Native Americans had a problem with it to begin with. Who in the hell are these wokesters representing anyway to begin with? Well, I mean, I think we know who they are because more important than they are trying to um, salve the offense of small minority, or, and, and not even minority groups, but f the smallest fraction of minority groups, is they are intent on dividing us because that's what Marxists do. And that's who are, in fact, behind these uh, wokester um, cancellation culture activities that are going on right now. Let's jump to the pandemic here. We're, we're, we're being told that this new surge, you know, this new Delta variant surge in COVID cases, and this is a quote from the Biden administration, is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Let's say that again, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, you know, there's a funny thing about data and numbers and math is that the data is coming out. And, and in fact, that's just an out and out lie. Uh, reported just in the last couple of days by both CNBC and Business Insider, 47% of the new cases in the United Kingdom, 47%, that's half, give or take point there, half of all of the new cases in the UK and this is one of the most vaxxed countries in the world. The highest percentages of the population have been vaxxed there than almost anywhere other than you know, like maybe Israel. As I was saying, 47% of the new cases are happening among people who have already had at least one, if not both of their jabs already. You, you remember the uh, effectivity rates that we were told when these vaccines were being rolled out, uh, whether it was Moderna, Pfizer, J&J &J here. Uh, AstraZeneca over there, that there was, there was going to be somewhere between a 90 and 95 percent effective rate. After they were being used, we were being told that they were as high as 98 percent of those who had received the vaccine were not getting COVID. Now, some people were because they did say 90 to 95 percent. So that means there was quite a, quite a good number, especially when you're handing out hundreds of millions of vaccines, uh, quite a large total 
uh, number of people were in fact still coming down with COVID afterwards. What we were learning though is that because of the efficacy of the vaccinations that the um, related symptoms were not as bad, hospitalization numbers were reduced, and certainly the, the death count was not there as a result of taking the vaccine. And that seems to be the case even in the UK under this reporting, even though roughly half of all the people now coming down with COVID have had the vax, the fact is, is that there, it's not as bad as it was during the alpha uh, surge. So yeah, they're, they're getting it, but what we're also learning is, well, we knew this beforehand. We knew this because the science was telling this, well, those, those scientists who were allowed to talk and weren't deplatformed, were telling us that as these variants develop, that first of all, with most vaccines, most variants work their way out of the human population. Just because something becomes a variant doesn't mean that it's more sinister, more evil, more deadly, more harmful, and, and, uh, and, and should scare us back into our holes again. As a general course, these vaccines, they do mutate and they do work their way out of the human population and or jump species or just are no longer um, uh, effective in, you know, in their nefarious purposes at, at harming us. But the bottom line is, is what they're saying about Delta, of course, is that it's more contagious, but rather than necessarily the vaccines preventing the more severe side effects or, or effects of the disease or uh, keeping down the hospitalization numbers or even the number of deaths. It's just that the Delta variant itself is probably not as bad, just more, more infectious, but not as deadly. Either way, it's good news. The vaccines are working and also keeping those numbers down and keeping people from dying combined with the variants happening and them not being as harmful. Yeah, yay for all of that. But this is no reason for us to be running back into the hole nationwide and being forced to put our masks back on and being forced to uh, social distance again as is happening in some places. It, it, it's crazy. We're, as I said, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing the effects plummet as the cases are coming up. Anyway, isn't that just the science? Uh, look, I'm not making any assumptions about which one it is, either or or both. Uh, I, I'm just asking these questions as more and more data develops and is being reported to us. Eventually, we'll have better numbers as this thing uh, goes along. You're going to be hearing this theme coming from me a lot in the coming weeks, and I truly believe that after all of the interviews I've been doing all over the country for however many months it's been, seven, eight, nine months now that I've been traveling, 25 states. Uh, I believe that the leading comorbidities associated with COVID deaths and severe sickness and illness and hospitalizations and death, apart from the obvious advanced age and uh, severe extreme obesity, is actually anxiety and isolation. You heard me say it here first. Anxiety and isolation should be in the top tier of comorbidities. You know, the powers that be seem determined to keep this nation in fear. They seem determined to isolate us from society. They seem determined to divide us in anger and political division from our neighbors through hate and distrust, uh, as well as fear. Yet it's those of us who have not bought into the fear mongering, uh, that have never isolated ourselves, that went about our normal lives and our normal routines and as, best, as best we could and refused to be bureaucratically bullied that are the ones that are, who are not becoming deadly ill 
and dying from this thing. And, I, and I'm hearing this more and more and more and more as I, as I travel all over the country. This is like, like I said, I learn more from you guys, boots on the ground, than I learn anywhere else, and including medical professionals, just as the other night up in uh, Leesburg, who you know, works in one of the largest hospitals and one of the most important cities in America through the entire crisis. She just did not see firsthand in her hospital the stories that were being told on major mainstream media. So I'm doing a lot of personal research on this and I'm going to have some surveys going out that I intend on surveying not only people from you know, our liberty side of the political uh, equation but also from the other quad quadri quadrants, from the other quadrants uh, of political thought as well and see if there's not something to this uh, uh, hypothesis I have that anxiety and isolation itself are contributing to the, the death count. You may have seen it if you're still on our Facebook page. You, if you liked or shared or commented on my recent post from a couple of days ago about uh, the VAERS organization that associates and gathers data from people. Of course, it's, you know, it's questionable. I understand how the, the data is gathered, but nevertheless, it is a published uh, piece of work and it is referenced by people um, in the medical community about people who have had adverse effects from the vaccines, not just this vaccine, but all vaccines. So I got dinged again by Facebook. So I did a story that drew no conclusions, that was quite open-minded about what and how to interpret this. And they hit me with another partially false warning. And then also if you shared that, and several hundred people did, you shared it, your page now got hit with a partially false warning as well. Uh, I'm sorry about that. The thing is, is that there was nothing that I said in my related commentary that was false in any way, shape, or form. Nothing at all. In fact, unlike in previous partially false or false or warnings or you know fact checks from Facebook over the last year, uh, they did not even provide me uh, the link to the actual fact reporting uh, or fact checking agency this time. They uh, did not even provide me a link to appeal this one. Not even, not even there for me this time. The only thing that they did is they provided an article that purports to teach us how to parse the data. And that's exactly what I did. I called the data into question myself, but I also said, you know, we can look at it this way or we can look at it that way. We have to be consistent. We have to be intellectually honest and consistent in how we look at this data as compared to the way that we're looking at other data and death counts and case counts related to COVID. So mine was, mine was just an exercise in thought and getting people to actually think honestly about how the data comes in. And I get dinged for a partially false post and then they didn't even tell me what part was false? Usually they do. Usually they tell me it was a particular word or it was a particular paragraph or it was somebody's name that they didn't like or whatever is in the post. This time, nothing. Nothing at all. So I have no idea what the specific criticism of what I wrote uh, was. Uh, still, nevertheless, they have throttled my page once again even more and just put, you know, literally because of the number of, of warnings I've had, they put me one more step closer to being deplatformed altogether from them. So, guys, please, please come join us on Locals. I, I know we're on MeWe and Gab and Parlor and other places as well. And I know that you don't want to leave Facebook because your friends and your family are there. So don't. Don't leave 
Facebook for that. You can just come take two minutes, join us on Locals, and you'll see every single thing that I put out there. That was one of the most frustrating things about this last tour, and I think I got distracted and didn't, didn't go there. The reason why we can't get the people out, because I'm getting direct messages every day, oh my God, I can't believe you were in my town last night. I didn't even know about it. Or I get that message a week later, or I get it a month later saying, I didn't know you were here. I would have been there. Uh, because they just don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether you have selected see first or follow first or priority following or whatever the case may be on the Facebook page. Unless you are actively involved in posting, liking, and sharing every day, you're eventually going to drop out of the algorithm's um, good graces, and then I'm going to fall out of sight, out of mind, and that, that's what happens. Many of the pages that I've, many of the Liberty pagers and writers and content creators who I've followed on Facebook uh, over the years, I just don't even see them anymore. All of a sudden, one day I go, "Oh my gosh, where was, you know, Reason Magazine? I hadn't seen it in two months." And then I go back and I start following and then uh, I don't see them still and then I have to go in there and start liking or I have to start commenting in order for them to pop up in my feed. It's just the way it's working now. It's, it's ridiculous. Going on with this particular little uh, journey into uh, podcasting today, uh, the Biden administration continues to double down on everything. And by doubling down, I mean on the worst of everything that comes out of their mouths. We've obviously, and I've written about it, and you've been hearing all about it, their social media misinformation campaign that they're on right now to you know, outright calling for the ban of certain handguns the other day in the CNN town hall, to doubling down on literally every single lie that they tell. They tell the lie, they get called on the carpet for it, not by the mainstream media, no, not at all. They get called on the carpet for it by Peter Ducey in, a press, in, the, in the White House press conference, or they get called on the carpet by Ben Shapiro or Glenn Beck or Dave Rubin or you know uh, Dan Bongino or, uh, or Tucker Carlson or whoever. They get called on the carpet by those guys and they make enough noise that then they have to come out and comment on what they said, so they just double down and lie even further. It's an amazing, amazing spectacle to watch. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime, but as, amaz as a amazing of a spectacle as it is, it's the most frightening thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And, and it's frightening on so many levels. I mean, first of all, they literally can say anything they wish and they get no pushback from the press, none whatsoever. I'm talking about the mainstream press. Instead, all we hear from the mainstream press are the, the oohs and the ahs and, and the canned applause as, you know, as Biden does his little ice cream parlor, you know, press appearances uh, or, you know, his, his 100% scripted town hall on CNN last week. Uh, the second thing is, is that when the, as I said, when the right wing press and the social media challenges start pouring in, they literally double down on everything that they said again. They take it a step further and, and they're, they're not just admitting right now to their collusion with big tech, but now the double down is now that they're proposing legislation that is intended for one purpose only, and that's to limit speech and our First Amendment right to challenge the government's approved narrative because it's a medical issue. Since when is challenging what the bureaucratic medical personnel say about science and the way it affects our lives politically in every other way and in real time, since when are we not allowed to challenge that at all? Where's that exclusion in the First Amendment? Well, they intend on putting it into law because they're writing up legislation right now as we speak. And of course, they're claiming it uh, to be something that's for our safety. And ha I mean, how many times have we been, we've been warned about that tactic? Unfortunately, uh, way too many are all too willing right now, the, you know, the 
half of our citizens at least in this country to give up their liberties for these perceived securities that they're being told about from the federal government. And, and to me, the most frightening part of all is that that half of the American public not only support the suspension of our rights, uh, but believe that those of us that are exercising those rights, that we deserve to be punished in some manner. You know, either ostracized from society as a whole or, or locked up as, you know, grandma killers, whichever the case may be. I mean, Biden said the other day, Facebook, by not stopping every single bit of quote-unquote government-branded disinformation, they're killing people. That's what he said. This is nothing but fascism on full display, and, and, um, and it's coming, you know, not from the old right-wing version of fascism in Europe, which was not right-wing, it, it was a different definition for the time. It, it was all coming from the left, and that's exactly what's happening here. We, we have to get out there right now, and we have to remind every single family member, neighbor, co-worker, and friend that government that it's government that has been the most dangerous entity in human lives and safety throughout the history of mankind. And, and that they've killed far more people, they've imprisoned far more people, they've tortured far more people under the pretense of order, safety, security, than those who have ever died by any virus, by any form of misinformation, or any form of free speech, or even a well-armed populace. It is government which is the single most dangerous disease that has ever existed on this planet. And we have the numbers to prove it. We can back it up. We can back it up just in the last century alone. And, and we need to forget all these other descriptions of our you know, political affiliations and philosophies for the time being. We need to take our divisions uh, among all the liberty factions, and we need to set them aside. This, this is no longer a Republican versus Democrat issue, a conservative versus liberal. Uh, this is pure liberty versus tyranny. That's what we're up against right now. And this is by any measure of that application. And by any measure of that application, I'm going to say that this is a right versus left from on. That's how I'm going to characterize it. That's how your friendly neighborhood TPC is going to characterize this right now, is this is a battle between liberty on the right and tyranny on the left, and that's exactly what it is. All of us that have been identifying on whatever liberty-oriented spectrum had best put aside our petty differences, join together, and prepare for the fight of our life, for the fight of our nation's lives. Um, we, can, we can take up swords over uh, abortion, borders, patents and copyrights, uh, the differences between anarchism and minarchism and uh, pragmatism and libertarianism and conservatism. We can fight about all that later. We have a hundred more years to fight about that. But the reality is, is that if we don't ally right now around our constitutionally defined inalienable rights and defend those at all costs, then there's going to be nothing else for us to fight for later on. I mean, the, the left has declared open war on our speech, on the right to defend ourselves, on the right to be secure in our papers, on the right to determine what is best for our own bodies and our own medical choices. They've even declared war on our own property, all of our property, to, to actually own our property, which is now openly declared a target by both the Great Reset and the Green New Deal. Our public schools are even now purposefully, there's news stories about this every single day, where public schools, teachers, uh, administrators, principals 
are purposefully hiding curriculum, curriculum from parents, the very taxpayers who pay their salaries, and hiding these things from the parents so as, to, so as to accomplish their agenda of brainwashing our children and turning them against us. And these are leftists, and these are leftists from both the GOP and the Democratic parties. And when I say leftists, I don't exclude the GOP, believe me. Uh, progressivism is, is rife within that party right now. And they're openly uh, putting us all in peril. You libertarians, <laughs> you need to get over your, those five votes that Rand Paul has cast over his career that you hate him for. Because, by the way, he's cast hundreds with which you, disagree, with which you agree, with which you agree. And uh, you probably agree with him 95, 98% of the time, but you know, you know how you are. And you know how you like to criticize every time he opens his mouth and call him a liar. I know, I've seen it on my Facebook page in the last week. You conservatives, you need to stop and ask every single one of these uh, thin blue line cops that you love and that you see, and you need to stop them every time you come in contact with them and you need to ask them this question. Are you with us in defending the Constitution or are you going to defend your pay paycheck and your pension? You hear what I said? We cannot blindly and openly support anyone just because they are in a uniform. We can support the good ones, absolutely. We can support the ideal that the one moral function of small limited government is to protect its citizens from fraud and force. We can do that and we can fairly then protect those assigned to do so to, um, well, as it says on the side of their cars, to pr protect and to serve. And so we can expect that, but we also need to begin holding their feet to the fire and asking them that question. I'll say it again. Are you with us in defending the Constitution or are you going to defend your paycheck and your pension? Which one is it going to be? All government is nothing more than force, and we are far past right now that whole concept of limited government that was the ideal of our founders. Uh, we are now deep, deep into the danger zone for which we were warned time and time again. If we don't set aside all these other petty differences, as I said, now and defend the Bill of Rights now with every single fiber of our being, there will be no such thing as an open debate or an open democracy over anything else that we might think important. Everything, everything will then be decided by the Politburo because that's where we're headed right now, period. Our republic will be doomed and all underlying processes of a functional democracy will be just nothing more than a sham if we don't defend the Bill of Rights right now with everything that we have. You know, I, I used to defend big corporations with a passion. Uh, in, the, in the 90s, I defended Microsoft and Bill, Bill Gates against the uh, antitrust accusations and attacks that were coming from D.C. But, you know, Gates is caved. Microsoft is caved, like uh, all the other big tech firms. I used to defend businesses that outsourced their manufacturing to, you know, to cheap foreign labor. And the reason why I did that is because uh, there's overwhelming evidence that by so doing that we lifted billions, maybe, of people out of poverty, certainly Hundreds of millions of people have been lifted out of poverty by us extending our wealth and paying people that were working a penny a day to getting them up to a dollar a day. Uh, the evidence is absolutely irrefutable that we, we, did, we did good in that regard. 
But now something is happening, something is transforming with these companies. We used to lift people out of poverty, but now these same companies are actually demonstrating that they have no more, uh, no moral compunction against cooperating with tyr tyrannical regimes who actually employ slave labor and oppression to gain advantage back now over our ostensibly free and pure uh, free market operations back here at home. So from my vantage point, the oligarchs of big tech and big this and big that have just simply seen the writing on the wall and they've decided to join uh, the Great Reset and in order to secure their own prosperity and their own market shares in the coming future that's at hand, which they deem to be very close at hand, which means they have no real interest whatsoever. Uh, our American boardrooms, whether it's uh, Coca-Cola, uh, whether it's Facebook, whether it, name, name your great American company, uh, it seems that they have no interest whatsoever in adhering to or defending the values put forth in the Constitution, and they certainly seem to have no hesitancy at all in seeing America itself become nothing more than just a slave labor economy ourselves. Because with what's happening with inflation, and what's happening with our dollar, and what's happening with this unbridled spending and, um, and create, just runaway creation of fiat money, that's where we're headed. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that now these very same companies, many of them, want us to shut our mouths, want us to take the jab, show them our papers, and uh, then we get to keep our job. Or we get to go buy their goods, whichever the case may be. Shut up, take the jab, show us your papers, and you get to keep your job, and you get to buy our goods. And we're there. We're there now. And, and those of you who think, still think, that these private companies are within their rights to take this position are, are just either naive or brain-dead to the realities of those industries' actual collusion with government, particularly this current administration and the goals that are, are being set forth by the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum that are, are published and available for all of us to look at. Have you, have you seen over the last week those massive French protests in almost every single French city against mandate of vaccine passports for virtually every function and activity in society. I watch those with amazement. These are the French. I mean, this is the, this is the one European country we like making fun of more than any other one for being a bunch of cowards and turning their tails every time they're up against a tyrant. But they're having massive demonstrations in their streets and chanting Liberté, Liberté, uh, as they're marching down the streets by the tens of thousands in each of these cities. I got to thinking about it and I was wondering, well, why are, why are the French taking the lead on this? And it suddenly dawned on me that some of these people must obviously still remember their grandparents' lessons about what a fascist occupation force really and actually looks like. We need to do that here and we need to do that immediately. You know, personally, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of all of this more so than a lot of people. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I, when, you're, when you're declared non-essential for 15 months and you're not allowed to earn an income in your chosen industry and in your chosen uh, profession, which has been my profession for basically 40 years, I feel it. I, I mean, my industry is already caving to the show me your pace, papers fascist right now. Uh, the, um, the Dave Matthews tour opened here in Raleigh this past weekend. And they, they arrived five days before the show because they were doing their tour, horse, 
tour rehearsals here. And Matthews himself, not Live Nation, believe it or not, not the venue, believe it or not, but Dave Matthews himself actually required all of the local crew to be fully vaxxed and they also had to wear their masks outside in the North Carolina summer heat every day as they're working out on the, um, the equipment and on the crew details and jobs. And that is that's happening all across the industry. On the other hand, also, I think it was last night that, um, yeah, it was last night Luke Bryan was here and he said nobody is allowed to wear masks on the stage. So we still have a few good guys out there. Uh, so, you know, as I said, I'm feeling the weight of this. My, my voice is being throttled by big tech itself. But just as I shared just a couple days ago, I got popped yet again. I got throttled even further. I'm one more step away from being kicked off of Facebook for something I didn't even do, for something they didn't even bother to tell me that I did. They didn't even bother to say this, Mr. TPC, Mr. Steve Baker, is what you did wrong, don't do that again. So I have no idea, how do you fix? How do you fix your misinformation if they won't even tell you what your misinformation is? That's because I didn't say anything wrong, that's why. I feel the weight of this because right now, over just the last couple of days since I got that phone call on Thursday morning from Agent Garrett Doss of the FBI. I feel that my freedom is now in jeopardy uh, for just covering a story, an event that I knew nothing about, an event that I did not know was going to happening, but taking advantage of it as a writer, as a podcaster, as a, a free and independent citizen journalist to follow the story where the story went on uh, January 6th. But, you know, but my suspicion is, is that the only reason I'm going to get in trouble, if I get in trouble at all, is because I have written a lot of analysis on that event and my analysis does not comport with uh, Pelosi's and the mainstream media's narrative of the events on January 6th. And this is all, as I said, despite the fact that I've never been a Trump fanboy. So I'm hoping and I'm praying for the best, but you know I've also been long preparing my heart and my mind uh, for the worst. For now, uh, we all just need to start shouting liberty from our housetops, just like the French are doing in their streets. And we need to refuse to concede to even another, one more single step of uh, you know towards tyranny in this country. Uh, you know, even even still. I, I just don't understand the naive uh, on the liberty side of the equation. I've been chastised this week for using the logical fallacy of the slippery slope, and, and I didn't even mention slippery slope, but I was accused of it. And, and that's related to what's happening with these so-called private companies that are in collusion with big government right now. Well, let me tell you something. It is not a slippery slope. It's a frickin' well-greased, double-diamond, icy ski slope is what it is. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a sheet of ice with oil poured over it. That's the slippery slope that we're looking at right now. That's exactly where we are. And you guys that don't see that yet, or your friends that don't see that, or those in the Liberty Movement who don't yet see that, you'd better wake up to that reality before it's too late. There we go. There's my, there's my rant. Um, please join our locals community. Uh, it's free to join, but now more than ever, you know, I'm probably going to need your support over there if you can become a supporter. If, all's go, if all goes well with this thing, uh, my legal fees are going to be manageable. Obviously, if they don't go well, well, you know, you know what I'm facing. Uh, after, you know, 15 months of being declared a non-essential uh, worker and therefore unemployed during that time, 
you know, this, this thing could not be happening to me at a more opportune time. Uh, either way, please join Locals, uh, because if you do, even as a free subscriber, you're not going to miss anything that we post over there. You're, you're certainly not going to miss any of the content that we make fully public, ever, unlike what's happening right now on Facebook, um, where I you know, originally built our TPC following and paid for a lot of that following, and now can only reach a fraction of the total audience of those who have declared themselves as interested in what I have to say. All you got to do is take two minutes, go download the Locals app from your app store, or you can sign up on your computer online at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. Let me say it again, thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. As I said, it'll take you two, two minutes, whichever path you decide to take, either on your phone or on your computer. Then just be sure that you set up your notifications so that you are receiving the notifications of our posts on your phone or in your email box or both, um, and then you're never gonna miss anything. And if you do decide to support us, it's, uh, it's only $5 a month, or you can get two free months by doing a single a contribution of $50 at one time, and that's the equivalent, mathematically, of uh, two free months. Uh, you'll get even more exclusive supporter content than we share uh, uh, through the rest of social media. Uh, and look, and as I've said before, Locals is not just a social media site or platform. You don't have to build your own community there. You don't have to start over and get your friends and family. It's nothing like that. It's not that kind of place. Uh, you can look at it as just a read-only, content-only kind of thing where of people or creators who are there that you just want to see their stuff and not be throttled or shadow banned when you're wanting to actually see what they're doing. Uh, so n while you're there, no other content other than what you choose to see is going to be forced on you. If you just want to see TPC, that's all you'll see. If you just want to see TPC and Dave Rubin, that's all you're going to see. If you want to see five or ten or even a hundred content providers over there, that's all you'll see. You'll never have anything you're not interested in or no ads or anything else like that forced upon you over there. Your data is not sold uh, by locals and you are not the product as you are over on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And by the way, I've recently just directed my partner, Scott Law, uh, that we're going to begin rebuilding our blog site, thepragmaticconstitutionals.com, so that everything now from this point forward is directed over to locals. So everything that shows up on the website, everything that shows up on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parler, Twitter, YouTube, anything, anything else, wherever else we post anything, it's all going to be directed back to um, locals from this point forward. It is now our de facto hub for everything that we do. Articles, blogs, podcasts, videos, everything. Uh, we're now even able to do live streams over there. We did our first uh, beta test uh, the other night. It came off really well, just a couple of bugs. Uh, they're almost finished, uh, Locals is, with their beta test for that program. We were honored to be invited to participate in that, and uh, I intend on making full use of that because I love personal interaction more than I do this right here. I love personal interaction with you guys more than just talking e either into a microphone or a video screen. So we're going to be making great use of that live stream broadcast um, functionality over there. And as I said, you'll be able to participate, uh, ask me questions in real, real time. And as I said, I learn more from you guys than I learn anywhere else. Uh, we're also going to continue to mirror uh, most of our content on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. But Locals is our home from this point forward. So please join us over there. And thank you for your time today. This was a little bit longer than I normally do one of these podcasts, but I had a lot of catching up to do with you guys, and I uh, didn't even scratch the surface if the truth be known. So hopefully I'm going to find time in a very, very busy upcoming week, uh, a week with a lot of unknowns attached to it as well. I even have a couple of shows this week and a couple of rehearsals, and um, it's going to be a busy week. But uh, hopefully my newest little issue is going to be quickly and quietly and um, justly resolved.
Thanks a bunch. Steve, TPC. Talk to you next time.